there is a culture of, of fear within the Vatican. The cardinals don't know who Pope Francis is going to turn to next. They don't know what he's going to take aim at next. And it seems at the moment he is very much clamping down on the cardinals. At LifeSite News, we've been covering things in Rome for over 20 years. And today, we have to have a special focus because, as most of you know, it's just crazy. It's crazy on a daily basis. We have two Vatican correspondents permanently there in Rome. With us today is Michael Haynes. He's our lead correspondent in Rome. And we're going to be talking about a few of the things that are ongoing. We're going to be talking about Cardinal Hollerich just appointed to the Pope's Special Advisory Committee, a position which Cardinal Pell left uh, when he went to to jail, actually. Um, and also the hypocrisy going on there. Because while Cardinal Pell was sent to jail, falsely, of course, and Father Pavone was just laicized on accusations, this priest was just celebrating Mass last Sunday, or can celebrating Mass, and well, he's a friend of Pope Francis, he's a leftist, he's also a Jesuit. There's, in addition to that, there's a new thing with the cardinals. The retired cardinals, some of whom are speaking out against what they see as, you know, clearly falling away from the true path of the church, from the teachings of Jesus Christ, being willing to mention that, they're being threatened. They're being threatened with eviction from their properties. It's not really their properties, of course, it's Roman properties. But of course, the cardinals are Roman citizens. The cardinals are citizens of, excuse me, Vatican citizens. And it is for the retired cardinals to have their places in Rome. It's always been done. They're in Vatican properties right outside the Vatican wall for the most part. They're in a beautiful apartment complex that's right outside the Vatican. In fact, take a look at this clip. This is a clip of an interview I did with Cardinal Francis Arinze, and it's from his apartment, from the balcony of his apartment. And as you can see, it's beautiful. Here we are. It's looking right over St. Peter's Square. Do you know such apartments would run, hmm, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 euros a month if they were owned by the secular state and rented out and whatnot? But they're not. They're Vatican properties. So the Vatican owns them, and those were typically given to the cardinals. This has been a practice that's gone on probably for more than 100 years. But that all ended just recently, I think just last week, when the Pope said that uh, the cardinals will now be required to pay for those apartments at the regular going rate of whatever would be charged in the secular world, which basically means they're out on their ear. There's no way... You can afford three or four thousand euros rent per month if you're a retired cardinal. But I'm sure if they go and see Pope Francis, he will make some kind of concession for them, as long as they do his bidding. What a perfect way to be able to muzzle voices that you might disagree with and to make sure everybody sings from the same song sheet. Michael Haynes for LifeSite News, coming up next on The John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. 
Hello, LifeSite friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Each round is stamped on the back with an image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, we feature LifeSite's logo, surrounded by brilliant sunbursts and draped with olive branches, and each round commemorates LifeSite's 25 years of pro-life, pro-family reporting in America, Canada, and beyond. These one troy ounce rounds are 0.999 pure silver, and LifeSite has just under 10,000 in stock. They're beautiful, historic, and forever enshrining the most important American pro-life victory of a generation. This first edition LifeSite Silver Round is the perfect gift for yourself or anyone you love that collects precious metals and is passionately pro-life. And each purchase helps directly fund LifeSite's pro-life and pro-family mission. This is the first precious metals collectible of its kind that is directly supporting LifeSite's worldwide mission that you know, love, and trust. And now it can be yours while limited supplies last. Get your one troy ounce rounds of 99% pure silver today by clicking the first link below and celebrate life with all of us at LifeSite News. Michael Haynes, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, John Henry. Lovely to be with you. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Michael, we're really looking forward to you unpacking some of these things for us. Um, one of the things that, to me, is really shocking is this new development with regard to the cardinals and uh, their places of residence. What can you tell us about that? It, it is. It's very strange. Everything about it is, is incredibly peculiar, right down from the, the very beginning of it. It wasn't announced publicly with, with any great pomp or any great fanfare. It was just placed quietly in a courtyard inside the Vatican city-state for the cardinals to discover as, as they walked past. There was no official announcement, and no even courteous announcement, as you might expect from the Pope, to the cardinals. Um, so, the, very, very strange. Almost, it's in the sense that you'd, you'd try and do something like that if you were just trying to make sure it passed by and no one actually found out. So, they, that was published very, very quietly in the, in the courtyard at San Damasio Courtyard. And as you've mentioned, it, the Pope is now asking the, what he's saying is the asking rate for the properties, which is going to be extortionate. Firstly, there's, there's no, there's no uh, mention of how the asking rate is going to be evaluated. Some of the properties are going to be completely inaccessible to those who wouldn't work in the Vatican because they're actually behind the, the barriers and the borders of the Vatican city-state. So if the cardinals can't afford to, to live in these apartments, then it's quite likely that these apartments are going to stay empty. And the Pope, therefore, is actually going to be losing money. He's, he's not going to be gaining the money that he supposedly is, is looking for. It, it's a very strange gesture. It, it seems to be... Uh, it seems to be oriented towards the manner in which Pope Francis governs the Church, and governs the Vatican in particular, and governs the Vatican very closely in a manner which is which is trying to very much prevent any resistance from building up around him. Um, we've reported for a long time, and, and life sites 
Vatican sources have also corroborated to me recently that there is, there is a culture of, of fear within the Vatican that cardinals don't know who Pope Francis is going to turn to next. They don't know what he's going to take aim at next. And it seems at the moment he is very much clamping down on the cardinals. Now, this also it comes with extra, extra topics because the Vatican's finances are very much um, in the focus at the moment. Um, but the, the money that the, the Pope is you know, supposedly looking to save by, by this move, if it were completely above board and if it were not, as you say, to be a, a move whereby to try and gain control over the cardinals, the actual money that he might pull in is minuscule in comparison with the money that the Vatican is hemorrhaging. I mean, the reports suggest that the Vatican is some tens of millions in deficit. Uh, so he, the Pope is not going to be able to make tens of millions back from these cardinals. It, it's very much a move which seems to be oriented to one thing, and that, that's power. That's, that's making sure the cardinals know who is in charge, making sure that if they speak out of line, perhaps, or if they align themselves with any arguments, there they be proposing Catholic teaching or proposing Catholic tradition or the ancient liturgy, then the Pope might be able to, to move against them and withdraw whatever, uh, whatever concessions he has, he has allowed them for the housing. You know, cardinals wear red. It's a sign of blood, of martyrdom, and of being willing to give yourself up for the faith. Who knew that the kind of white martyrdom, if you will, but it's still pretty severe, uh, might be coming for them even in their old age. This is going on, though, in a Vatican that is so very hypocritical. Um, a lot of people haven't heard about the Father Rupnik case. If you can go through that for us, just so that people understand where it's at. So the Father Rupnik case really came to light not long before Christmas, a couple of weeks before Christmas. There were three Italian blogs which uh, highlighted the, the case. So Father Rupnik is a Jesuit, and in the early 90s, he co-founded the uh, Loyola community, a uh, religious community of nuns. Uh, he co-founded co that with a religious sister. Uh, now, the, the allegations which were really brought to light just in December last year were that Father Rupnik actually spiritually and, well, pardon me, psychologically and sexually abused nuns, uh, now also former nuns of the community. Now, there were, there were two main instances. The one instance was that Father Rupnik had actually more recently absolved uh, a sexual accomplice of his in confession, which incurs an automatic excommunication. And the CDF had, had gone through the procedure. There had been uh, the trial. They had found that the allegation was credible. They then went through the trial. They found him guilty. And then the excommunication was lifted very, very quickly. Now, reports slightly differ. The, the Jesuits uh, said in their official statement that Father Rupnik repented and therefore the excommunication was lifted. One of the, the news sites which broke the news of Father Rupnik case actually is very firmly stating that it was Pope Francis himself who intervened directly. And they say within hours, it's a direct quote, within hours to lift the excommunication on this disgraced Father Rupnik. So that's, that's one instance. The, the other instance is also of the allegations and when you read through the details of the abuse which Father Rupnik is alleged to have committed, it, it is incredibly 
dark, um, very, very satanic. Um, some of the, the hardest content I've, I've read through and had to write on it has, has been related to Father Wilpnik. Um, many of the, the nuns and the former nuns also who are making these allegations have provided very detailed testimony. Now, Father Wilpnik has been under some restrictions even prior to the news uh, being made public just last year. Uh, once the news was made public, there was obviously very much uh, a few more concentrated in the Italian-speaking news. It didn't make its way so much uh, to the English-speaking news in, in England or, or America. But since then, the Jesuits have put out a call. They've asked for uh, any more alleged victims of Father Bupnik to, to come forward. And just in that space, we're talking now of you know, up to about three months, a further 15 people have come forward, 14 women and one man, uh, alleging that Father Rupnik has also abused them. Additionally, the, the style of abuse has now widened, so the abuse now includes, I believe, uh, spiritual uh, abuse as well as psychological and sexual abuse. <clears throat> so Father Rupnik has been, he's been prohibited from taking part in public ministry, uh, and particularly public spiritual ministry, involving, say, saying Mass, saying Confession. He's also now, even more recently, been restricted from his public artwork, because Father Rupnik, particularly in Italy, is a very well-known name, because his artwork adorns many of the shrines. It's he's a very famous style of the, um, the conjoined eye, which we saw on, on the, uh, the Jubilee Year of Mercy, I believe, the logo for that. And they had it up for World Youth Day as well, a different design of his. So very, very popular indeed. Absolutely. So, the, uh, so Father Rupnik <clears throat> has been able to live still in Rome in the, the centre he has directed here for the past 20 plus years. He has, uh, he has had these restrictions placed upon him, and yet still he's listed as a consultant on the Vatican's Dicastery for Divine Worship. Uh, until very recently, uh, a lot of his video reflections from the Gospel were still placed on YouTube. And even as recently as this Sunday, in the, the Minor Basilica of Santa Prisede, which is, of course, just a stone's throw away in the shadows of St. Mary Majors, Father Rupnik was reportedly saying uh, or celebrating Mass there this Sunday. It, Santa Prisede is, is a stunning old basilica where the column on which our Lord was scourged is, is kept and venerated by Catholics. And yet, Father Wopnik appears to be completely rejecting all the restrictions placed upon his ministry. No action is appearing to actually have an effect on him. And the excommunication, which, was, which he incurred automatically and which the CDF confirmed, has been, has been lifted very, very quickly. And likely, right with, it had to be done with Pope Francis's approval, but uh, if, as that magazine said, it was done within hours by Pope Francis, it's unbelievable. The hypocrisy there, since all this broke at the same time as what was going on with Father Frank Pavone, it was so scandalous. Uh, Father Frank was laicized. Uh, on based on accusations, accusations which were which were investigated, and he was found to be fine afterwards. So there's still a cloud under that. Father is not wearing a collar, not presenting himself as a priest, not celebrating mass. He's being very obedient, and uh, yet this goes this scandal grows like this. 
but uh, it is it is really stunning. And uh, I, you know, I'm sorry, Michael, that you have to go through this. Know that you're doing a work uh, that is uh, for the good of the Lord's people, and I'm sure He will also protect you from all the horror that comes with having to read through that nonsense. One of the other things that took place uh, just over this past week was around Cardinal Hollerich. Tell us first of all about Cardinal Hollerich. Who is he? So Cardinal Hollerich is the, uh, the, the Relative General of the current Synod on Synodality. Pope Francis is, in many ways, you could say his pet project or the culmination of all the various synods which he's had until now. So Cardinal Hollerich has a very key role uh, leading that. <clears throat> he's also uh, plays a key role in leading the European bishops. Uh, now, Cardinal Hollerich has been a Vatican figure for many years. In fact, one of the very famous images of Pope Francis and the, and the Pacamama, pagan idol in the Vatican in 2019, you can actually see Cardinal Hollerich very prominently there on, on the side. Um, so he's always enjoy, enjoyed quite a, a key role next to Pope Francis. But just in the last few days, Pope Francis actually named Cardinal Hollerich to join the revamped uh, Cardinal Advisors, the, the famous so-called C9, because of its composition of nine cardinals. Now, Cardinal Hollerich is perhaps one of the the most prominent cardinals in his lobbying for homosexuality, for LGBT ideology, completely in opposition to Catholic teaching. Uh, in fact, he's called the Catholic teaching on homosexual acts. Um, he's called that teaching false. He's, he's very very much been open about his very clear, very very uh, prominent rejection of the Catholic teaching on these very crucial moral issues on which the Catholic Church needs to be teaching quite pronouncedly, uh, in a quite pronounced manner, I beg your pardon. But despite this, Pope Francis has seen fit to, uh, to move Cardinal Hollerich to be one of his advisors. In, in many ways, Cardinal Marx, the German Cardinal Reinhard Marx, who is exiting that C9, um, has had his heterodoxy replaced by Cardinal Hollerich. Uh, it seems that Cardinal Hollerich is arguably much more openly heretical, one could say, in his pronouncements than, than Cardinal Marx. It also shows just how uh, the, the themes that we are seeing, and we should expect to see more in the Synod on Synodality as well, which has already been but very, very open in its calls for more LGBT inclusion, uh, which seems to be an inclusion at the sacrifice of Catholic teaching on the Church's teaching on sexual morality and these issues. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. There's another issue that I think a lot of people need the detail on because I think there's been a lot of talk about it, but the specific details, just if you can sum for, summarize for us, what is going on with the Latin Mass? We've heard there's restrictions. There was, you know, Traditionis Custodis. Then there was this rescript. Um, what is going on? What's the status right now? This latest rescript, which we've had just in the last uh, two weeks now, I believe, 
That, that's a rescript from Cardinal Arthur Roach, the Englishman who heads up the Vatican's congregation, now Dicastery for Divine Worship. So that is a rescript which has come from him. He's presented it to the Pope, and Pope Francis has signed off. And that seems to be the result of, uh, not, not a debate, but ongoing correspondence between Cardinal Roach and American bishops over the past few months, which we only really learnt of in the last few weeks leading up to the issuing of this rescript. So Pope Francis's infamous traditionis custodes <clears throat> implemented, amongst many restrictions, it implemented the restriction that parish uh, churches could not be used for the celebration of the traditional mass, an attempt to, to ghettoize the traditional mass. Now, many American bishops have been employing, rightfully so, canon law to exempt their priests from this ruling uh, and exempt them from the ruling because they, they are arguing that this is harmful for the faith of the souls who they have under their care. Now, <clears throat> Cardinal Roach issued uh, his own document a few months after the Pope's in 2021. And since then, he has been trying to essentially strong arm bishops into accepting that they cannot exempt their priests from traditionis custodes. And what we see with this most recent rescript is the culmination of that. So Cardinal Roach has been arguing with these bishops, stating that I, Cardinal Roach, have the authority to remove your powers of exempting priests. And then he has essentially drawn up a document, gone to Pope Francis for support and said, can you approve this? Pope Francis has done it. So now the bishops have been hamstrung <clears throat> because they've been employing canon law just to try and protect the souls under their care. And Cardinal Roach, supported by Pope Francis, has, has removed that. So even more so now, bishops are having to tread the very fine line between looking after the souls in their diocese who, who love the traditional mass and not going so far as to result in Pope Francis, for some unknown reason, suddenly removing them from the diocese or getting into that extremely tricky canonical battle. Yes. Well, I think one of the things, uh, we had some incredible interviews with Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who was very clear about the ability, proper actions of bishops to disobey these unjust orders coming from Pope Francis vis-a-vis -vis the Mass of Ages, vis-a-vis -vis the traditional Mass. And perhaps the best way forward is to not mention it at all, just continue with business as usual. Uh, very difficult times indeed. Are we still expecting another document from Rome? Where is that? Because the rescript was not the document. You apparently got some more information on that document that was prepared or is being prepared? Where are we? What's the status on that? Yes, absolutely. So the rescript was not the, the very severe rumored document which we've been hearing increasingly about over the past few weeks. Um, it appears from a number of reports that have, have been ongoing in the last few months and uh, LifeSite's own sources, it, it does appear that this rumored document is indeed real. Now, the unknown, the, the major unknown factor is whether or not Pope Francis will actually go ahead and release it. Uh, some are of the opinion that given this recent document attacking the traditional mass, Pope Francis might just hold off and, and not issue it. Others others are not uh, quite of, of that of that opinion. I, I think it's very clear in one sense what is quite likely, and I think that it's quite likely Pope Francis could still issue this. We've seen 
his coordinated, relentless attack on the traditional mass. We've also seen Cardinal Roach describe devotees of the traditional mass as Protestant, which is quite ironic if you consider the saints, both clerical and lay saints, who died at the hands of Protestant persecutions whilst attending that traditional mass. Um, I think when we see such a coordinated effort from those two figures against the traditional mass, it's, it would not be surprising in any way if they still were to release this, this rumored document. And what is the date best guess for us on the release of that document? It, it seems that a common date being mentioned is, uh, is around Holy Week itself, April the 3rd, is, is a date that's mentioned. Uh, the trouble is with, with Pope Francis, he is incredibly unpredictable. So it's it's hard to know, but that is very much the date that's that recurs a lot in the reports that are uh, being issued about the document. Where does Holy Week fall this year uh, in terms of the date? I, I believe I'd have to double check, but I believe April the third would be the Monday of Holy Week, just to as a an Easter gift to uh, to instead of announcing the joy of the resurrected Christ, the uh, traditional Catholics are living under this threat of will there be in Easter in the traditional rite. It's, uh, it is an incredible time. It has forced Bishop Athanasius Snyder, other faithful bishops, to speak out more than ever. Um, we saw it just with Cardinal McElroy's heresy in America, where again, pushing on the LGBT issue, uh, you know, Bishop Aquila, Bishop Nauman, Archbishop Nauman, um, had to, and, and Bishop Prochy, had to come out and call him out for heresy, quite literally. Um, we saw that same thing this week with Bishop Athanasius Schneider. You had an amazing interview with him with him yourself a couple weeks ago, but just this week he was on again talking about the Synod on Synodality, also brought up the word heresy. What was that about? So um, Bishop Schneider <clears throat> was making his comments, as you say, in, in response to Cardinal McElroy's repeated heretical <laughs> articles. Uh, and Bishop Schneider made a very astute observation. He said that these cardinals and these bishops, they say these things because they know they can get away with it. It, it relates back to what we mentioned with Father Wilpnick. Those who feel that they have the protection of the Pope seem to be able to, to get away with things. And it, very much the cardinals, if they wish to speak out, as you say, there's the veiled threat, particularly for those in Rome. They, you know, will their accommodation be be removed or restricted in some way. But Bishop Schneider is very clear that these, these bishops, these, these cardinals in particular, are speaking out because they know they won't get punished. And on the contrary, they will be rewarded, they'll be promoted. Bishop McElroy himself, before he received the red hat and was elevated to the cardinalate, his heterodoxy was incredibly well known, very well documented. And yet despite this, Pope Francis saw fit to raise him to the College of Cardinals. Yeah, at this point it becomes, is it despite this or is it because of this? Um, I hate to say that, but boy, things are certainly pointing in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. It's to, to speak out and proclaim the traditional faith, the faith of ages, now it seems to, instead of uh, being uh, leading to some sort of reward or at least to some thanks from the Pope for doing so in very anti-Catholic times, it seems that the person you're most likely to be persecuted by is the Pope. That seems to be the situation in which we, we have arrived to. The Vatican, though, does have its priorities. 
And one of the major priorities is climate change. Tell us about the latest there. It does indeed. It very much has a priority uh, given to, to climate change. Uh, this has been one of the very, very prominent and consistent themes in Pope Francis's pontificate. Uh, it, we saw most recently the Dicastery for Integral Human Development, which uh, Pope Francis established in 2017, I believe. Uh, they partnered with a Swedish environmental institute to uh, issue action plans, if you will, on climate change. Uh, now, the Vatican officially joined the very pro-abortion, pro-contraception Paris climate change agreement last year. And now with this new initiative, it's actually, the Vatican is going to be printing off 500,000 booklets, which uh, it's produced in partnership with the Environmental Institute. And it's going to send these booklets to parishes across the world. Uh, and so instead of highlighting issues such as the need to defend unborn life, the need to promote uh, chastity, traditional marriage and the family, the Vatican is asking priests, Catholic priests around the world to attend to uh, protecting the oceans, to listening to the cry of the earth, and to listening to how sustainability and social justice uh, work in cohesion and are the priorities which we apparently must attend to today. As you see, it's, it's quite striking to see where the priorities lie and what resources are given to what particular topics. And it seems that this, yes. the climate is, uh, the supposed uh, agenda of climate change is more important than unborn life or the church's teaching. Indeed. In fact, it's been very consistent, though. Pope Francis wrote on climate change when we had massive disasters on Earth and, and traditional bishops would have talked about how you know, our, our sins have caused God to be angry with us. We might must make reparation. Pope Francis was talking about how, you know, we have offended Mother Earth and she's rebelling against us. So, yeah, very consistent indeed. Um, Michael, any final thoughts for us on things going on in Rome that you wanted to mention? I think a note of encouragement, perhaps, uh, just reiterating what Bishop Schneider said to, to me in the interview you mentioned, Bishop Schneider, he's very aware of all the, the terrible confusion and the tumult going on in the church. And he recommended that one of the best ways we can fight back against this and preserve the faith is really to, to study the faith ourselves, to, to turn to the old tried and tested books, the manuals of the faith. And also, I think, as you mentioned, we are to, to prepare ourselves to have a a more persecuted life as Catholics, to be underground in a time and to prepare ourselves spiritually for that by, by reading and by praying and by turning to God and really to listening to the teachings of tradition and to leave aside everything else. And on that front, you know, getting back to the Catechism of the Council of Trent, um, and that was really expounded in a simple form in the Baltimore Catechisms in America, what was the equivalent of that in in England? Is it Penny Catechism, was it? We, we had the Penny Catechism. Uh, the Baltimore Catechism actually made its way across the ocean as well. So that, that, was, oh, that was quite a big hit. Yeah, and, and Bishop Schneider, when he spoke with me, because I asked him about that, it was very, you know, it's, we're living in such strange times. No one has a manual for you on underground masses and how that looks like. Um, but 
it's already being done. Certain places have already got you know, masses in people's homes because certain dioceses have already totally cut them off. Just this week, I think we saw two dioceses completely cut off the Latin mass. Do you happen to know what they are offhand? Uh, I think maybe even three. There are uh, a couple, two dioceses in England which have implemented restrictions or not sought permission to continue the mass, and also the diocese of Albany over across the across the pond as well. And also, most recently. Uh, the traditional mass on campus at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. The news has just broken in the last day or so about that being uh, prohibited now by the bishop there. No, it's, it's a direct attack even on young Catholics. A lot of these churches were booming with young families. Um, I know that my son attends one uh, where he's at in university, and uh, he just brought a friend the other day and his friend was astounded at the number of young people. But the one good thing is, as Bishop Schneider says, we have to make ourselves ready to live in, in times of persecution. And uh, it's the young who take up challenges like that. Young people just like you, Michael. And I think that, that explains the, the growth of the traditional mass in a sense, because there, there is a challenge. The Catholic faith in its fullness offers a challenge because it's not an easy life. You can't go out and do whatever you wish, but it presents a challenge. And people respond to a challenge. They, we, we thrive off having ideals, having firm resolves to live our lives by and having the Catholic faith to live our lives by. Michael Haynes, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for your faithful, faithfulness and faithful reporting from Rome. Thank you very much, John Henry. Lovely to be with you today. God bless you, Michael, and God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.